You're listening to Songs Out Loud from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm Aaron Doerr. This podcast documents the life of a song. Everything from what inspired the original idea to how it came together in the studio. With the help from isolated instrument and vocal tracks called stems supplied by the artists, I recorded them reflecting back on their creative process with it and compiled it all here in a documentary style show and tell. It's a behind the scenes tour of their song, instrument by instrument, lyric by lyric, and beat by beat. Sometimes when you're doing these recorded songs, you throw in something, a texture that will change the mood of this, that part of the song just enough that you'll feel a perceptible shift, but you might not exactly know what it is. I have people tell me that still, oh no, it was my son. We were in the car and Elvis Costello was playing. Uh, it just popped up on Apple Music and he was like, that sounds like you, Dad. Lead lines we follow, directions we chose. It's like, you know, whatever has happened has happened, but we're all here now. For this first ever episode, I talked to singer-songwriter Mike Schrand about the song Here's to Another, something he wrote for his studio project band The Birthday People. It's the title track from their 2017 album, and the duo's second release since 2014. Mike plays and writes regularly with a more live-oriented group, Salt of the Earth. For this debut episode, I was given 11 tracks to play with. Here's Mike talking about where it all came from. The Birthday People is primarily the musical relationship between me and Ken Case. What it came down to in the end was Ken is my editor and I'm the songwriter. I write the songs. I track them as best I can. I send them to Ken. He edits them, adds what he wants to. And then we say, okay, what else do we need in this song and who could provide that? And then we add that. And that's it. It, it kind of reminds me of, uh, I don't know, Steely Dan before they started touring. <laughs> it was just two guys making records in the studio. They, were, they worked together on songs and they would cut these amazing records and put them out. And eh, they toured a little bit, but that's what it reminds me of. It's a studio project. Because Ken and I were both at the point of like, I have a band that I play with called Salt of the Earth. That's, that's the gigging band, you know? And I am, you know, I have a family, I have a full-time job. I, I don't, you know, this was like a project that I could do on the side that, that worked really well. And I'm working with someone who I like, whom, with whom I jibe really well, whom I respect, and who has an incredible amount of musical talent to add to the, the picture. I recorded this, I wanted Ken, to, I, I can't play keyboards very well, so I wanted Ken to do a Rhodes piano part for the main sort of rhythm instrument in the song. I recorded a, a just a rhythm electric guitar with some tremolo on it so that he could hear what I'm, you know, just generally what I'm shooting for. So that's not only the final mix, that was just a guide for 
can to build, but I wanted it to have that tremolo quality of a, of a Rhodes. The chords Ken's playing in the beginning aren't exactly what I was playing on guitar, but but we both figured out like it, it does. It's not right, but it's still it's good. It still works. Kind of, it's kind of mildly disorienting. I love those things because that's what I think. That's one of the things. It's like the magic fairy dust on a song, or those little things that you don't plan that turn out to be like, oh, that's that really makes the song pop. Um, and then there's a built-in session drummer on Logic Pro. Logic Pro and its free version GarageBand is a music recording and composition interface that runs on Macintosh operating systems. And um, I laid the drums down and then I tweaked the drums so that it sounded more like a drummer because sometimes Logic just throws this thing down. It's incredibly versatile. You can make it play less complex, more complex. You can make it play in front of the beat, behind the beat, grace notes, ghost notes, and all these different things. And I spent some time kind of tweaking that, and I would sing the song to the drum beat and the guitar part, just to make sure that the drums had a, had a good emotional uh, tenor throughout. Here's to another day above ground. The breath and the lungs, the sight and the sound. It's not like a live thing. Or live, if you don't get everything, you know, right, then you know nobody's going to remember. It's just an in-the-moment thing. But it, this is a document that's going to last, and you want it to have the proper import as to the best of your ability. So I, I spent I spend a lot of time with drums. You know, I still do on anything. It is a little too metronomy at times, but I don't think anybody would, you know, you're, if you, you know, walked over to your, you know, a relative that just listens to records and doesn't know anything about it and you played them, they'd be like, ah, oh, it's pretty good, you know, they are whatever their opinion would be, but they would never go, God, that drummer sounds fake. We wouldn't be who we are without you. It is one of those things I think about, you know, that yeah, maybe I could get a real drummer on there. But for me, I'm a very immediate person in writing. Like, I want to get as much down as I can when I'm in the state of receptiveness to be creative. And if I've got to spend my time miking a drum set, getting the right take and getting coming back and fixing this fill or doing whatever it just kills the vibe for me now when here's to another came out um ken put together a band for the release party and we had a four-piece band so we've done it live but for the drummer it was kind of weird because you know every drummer plays in their own kind of way and this drummer was used to playing you know straight forward rock and some of the beats on here's to another 
were a little weird for him. And much to his credit, he he got them and, and played them and played them well. It can be done. I do have notebooks. I haven't written them in a long time. My main source is through the phone now. I just keep a whole I keep one document that is a whole bunch of snippets of dialogue, things I've heard people say, things I've said, things I've read, um, and I just put them down like that would be a good line for something. And if I write something, I'm like, okay, I will go in there. I had the good fortune at my job to interview Nick Lowe. Nick Lowe is a British singer and songwriter, most famous for writing the song What's So Funny About Peace, Love, and Understanding, popularized by Elvis Costello in 1979. And Nick Lowe has the best description of songwriting, and it's kind of how it is for me. It's like it's like you're in an apartment and you hear a radio playing in the apartment next door, and it's playing this cool tune, and you can't quite figure out who it is or where it is, where it's coming or what it's about, but you get just enough that you're like, okay, I'm going to chase this. And you kind of try to document it to the best of your ability. And then you try to, you know, do whatever else you need to do to fill into pieces to make it a whole song. It's funny because I've always been able to write music and, and melodies, but lyrics has always been the really tough part for me. Once I get something down with a melody and a, and a chord structure, it's done. I'm just now, now it's like I have so many songs sitting in my uh, memos app on my phone that may never see the light of day, but they're finished other than words. And this is like 25 years ago. I was like, hey, I really need to find somebody who can write lyrics. And a friend of mine is a big Elvis Costello fan. Greg Ryan is his name. Hi, Greg. And... Uh, Greg gave me a cassette tape that had Imperial Bedroom on one side and Blood and Chocolate on the other. And it's like, oh my God, just those two records alone are, are oh man, I can't even begin. You know she has no sense for all your jealousy. In a sense, she still smiles very sweet. Imperial Bedroom was an album released in 1982 by Elvis Costello and The Attractions. Blood and Chocolate came out in 1986. But I, I have been told <laughs> so many times that it's hard to ignore that, yeah, Elvis Costello has certainly been a big uh, influence on me, uh, consciously and unconsciously, uh, because I, I have people tell me that still, in fact, Oh, no, it was my son. We were in the car, and Elvis Costello was playing. Uh, it just popped up on Apple Music, and he was like, that sounds like you, Dad. The breath in the lungs, the sight and the sound. This is one of those rare things where the phrase came first. We wouldn't be where we are without you. And um, I don't know where my mind was at the time, but I was thinking about some things that had happened uh, in the past that left a bad taste in my mouth uh, for whatever reason. And I think what I came to the conclusion was, I'm glad that that happened, bad as it was, because it brought me to where I am now. 
which is something that's been said in many different ways, many times by many people. But that was my moment with it. Here's to the people who walked away, leaving us here with something to say. We wouldn't be who we are without you. It's like, you know, let, let's, we're all here, we're still alive. Let's toast to that and whatever has happened has happened, but we're all here now. And that's kind of, that's something I've been moving toward in my life. We wouldn't want to be here without you. We wouldn't want to be here without you. Here I broke in to ask about the lyrics of the harmony line that Ken sings on the final variation of the chorus. I noticed on the isolated harmony track, or stem, that Ken actually sings the phrase, I wouldn't want to be here without you. But Mike's lyric is sung as we, and I wanted to know if he knew. I wouldn't want to be here without you. Not until I broke out the stems, no. We wouldn't want to be here without you. I didn't. I heard that and I was like, hmm, okay. He doesn't say we. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You listen to the separated tracks from some of the great rock songs of all time, and you'll notice that the bass player flubbed a note or the drummer didn't or the drummer you know slowed down in one part you never hear that in the final mix yeah it's like it's nobody notices that my favorite example is the the david lee roth vocals from running with the devil like if you've ever heard that it is the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard but then when you hear the song mixed and all all together, his vocals are perfect. They're amazing. They're glorious. But oh my God, by themselves, it's like I it's 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 comedic. You can work on a song forever and ever and ever, and you have to find a point at which you say, We're done. Thinking back to it, I realize now that given him the guitar, bass, drums, and a guide vocal, it was really his charge to build it up. And he did. I mean, he, he, he layered a whole lot of keyboards on it. He was, he's a good keyboard player, so it was easy enough for him to do that. And then, you know, he had enlisted this sax player, Dave Farver, a guy that he used to play with in another band, to, to come over and lay down the sax solo, which puts a whole new layer on it. Here's something else I noticed about the pieces of this song. That reggae organ underneath the sax solo, its only function 
is a 17 second layer for the duration of that instrumental. That's it. It's just a 17 second cut in. Yeah, it's a, it's a little thing that I've come to learn in arranging and mixing and building the arrangement of a song is it's sometimes when you're doing these recorded songs, you throw in something that will, a texture that will change the mood of this, that part of the song just enough that you'll feel a perceptible shift, but you might not exactly know what it is. And I think that's what Ken was doing there was adding a little buoyancy to that, that part of the song by putting that organ in there. And then at the end, he, I used to have this Gibson SG guitar for a while that had these really cool Thunderbird uh, humbucker pickups in them. And he was like, I want to come over and I want to put a guitar part on it. And it's funny because what he wanted to do with that guitar was almost the same as what I did with uh, a Dan Electro D59 um, that I have, that I put another, that I'd done. And you can hear it in those two separate tracks at the end. They're the two guitar, the electric guitars that kind of just kick it in on that last refrain. So of those two electric guitar parts at the end, mine is the one that's that uh, they, they both kind of start the same way, but mine's the one that picks the notes separately. And Ken's is the one that's strong. I used to, when I was younger, be like, oh, maybe someday I'll have a band, maybe I'll tour, maybe I'll play. And then I got to a point where I was like, oh, that's not going to happen. And now that I'm, you know, in my 50s, it's like I don't have any desire to get in a van with four other people and haul gear from place to place and play a gig. But uh, I look at it to me as like the guy that just paints. I'm going to paint a picture today and I'm going to put it out there. And if people like it, they like it. And if not, that's fine. And if, you know, five people buy it, I'm happy. If a hundred people buy it, I'm really happy. You know, it's, um, I do it for the happiness that I get from creating something. You know, that's kind of what it's come down to now. This is my, this is my uh, little garret in the basement and I'm about to put up a canvas and paint another picture. Now let's hear the completed song, Here's to Another. to another day above ground the breath in the lungs the sight and the sound here's to another act of the play we'd rather be here than walk away 
without you We wouldn't be where we are without you Here's to the errors That caused all the fuss The pressures and forces that make us Us here with something to say We wouldn't be who we are without you We wouldn't be who we are without you Artists you hear on Songs Out Loud agree. Your digital music and merchandise purchases from their websites, or even places like Bandcamp, are among the most direct ways you can support them. I'm pretty excited for this project, and I loved how fun it was talking to Mike and how cooperative he was with all my licensing and permissions requests. Songs Out Loud is produced, engineered, and mixed by me, Aaron Dorr. But I got the idea to do this from my favorite podcast, Song Exploder, by Rishikesh Hirway. And you should definitely be subscribed there, too. 